Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Welcome to Can You Brew It? It's where you drink your mistakes. <laughs> drink your mistakes? Right. What kind of mistakes are those? Well, where we don't You drink your, your unwanted children? I think, is I, still that got, I think I still got some arrogant bastard in my cooler. Yeah, yeah unwanted children. <laughs> yeah. We, arrogant yeah, bastard, we yeah. yeah. I got more on deck, too. Yeah, well, did you brew it again? No, I didn't. Uh, you and I are in a disagreement on the recipe. <laughs> you don't know that, do you? No, I, I I sense that we are in disagreement because you say, "Oh, I'm going to brew it." Uh, hand me a recipe. I say, "Any recipe," and then you're like, <laughs> "So uh, I'm thinking of brewing it." This doesn't uh, make any send sense. Me a recipe, uh, you know, maybe we should change that. I'm like, "Well, you know, if you want to, but you know, I'm not changing my recipe. You can go ahead and change your recipe. Take your creative license and go yeah. for it." <laughs> That's fine. Well, I would like to do. You know, I'm. I'm I have to rely on your uh, if it, if it, sense you, of recipe. It, I, I think you might have uh, you go, got misdirected with all the book signings and stuff. <laughs> Writer's <laughs> cramp, uh, brain cramp, uh, just cramps. You know, just gas. Just cramps, cramps. gas. Yeah, yeah. a little gassy. Yeah, right. I'm always grassy. So you know. But, so you know. it's a, it's a process thing and a recipe thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. 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 So. No, if you want to do it though, and you know, I I could be totally wrong. I, what was I it? Totally uh, yeah, the, yeah, I know what it was. The um, the only specialty malt you had was Special B, and and uh, get the beer as as dark as, as what I can buy at the store. Mm-hmm. I'd have to put in like a, a zillion tons of that stuff. No, 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 no. I had like seven percent. All right. Yeah, All right. it'll work. It'll work. I'll oh, see. That's why yeah. I have to, have to Tasty's got that. That crystal lady look on his face, or well, something. Well, but yeah. but your yeah your your changes though for darkening it up were to add crystal lady. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 some chocolate malt. and less of and, uh-huh. and chocolate malt. I'm like, well, no, 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 not no. Back to the old one. No, no. If you don't add crystal sixty, no, you don't need just to add the just some three hundred. Chad says he remembers in our sensory evaluation thing we were doing with the tinctures you made from all the different uh, specialty malts. Yeah. That we, we didn't mention 300 as another uh, no. additional malt. That's what he says. Oh. That's what's kind of got me like. Uh, Was he sober at the time? I doubt in it. In your face about I it. doubt it. Uh, <laughs> well, I doubt it too. Uh, between here and the door, we, uh, the car, we're usually pretty sober. And it wasn't there. I, I, uh, I mentioned some chocolate malt or pale chocolate or something like that initially when we did the interview. Oh, sure. And then I decided no. Hmm. Because you know you got to figure the the love of bond on the on the on that you know special B approaching like you know one eighty right but in ProMash it says like one twenty you got to type in like a one eighty you got to like ignore it yeah type in one eighty no, I like a guy who knows more than ProMash that's great that's right that makes you what 
Super Pro Mash? That's right. That's me, Super Pro Mash. <laughs> Faster than a leaping. I think you're writing Pro Mash software, aren't you? Building. Are we going to yes. see some Pro Mash software from you? Who knows? Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I got iPhone app though. Uh, oh. I I didn't I didn't program it, but a, a guy uh, I know mm-hmm. named Noah, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. he uh, he took the uh, he and I worked together on it. We took the uh, uh, yeast pitching rate calculator from MrMulty dot com and made an iPhone app. You pick it up, uh, just do a search in the uh, Apple Store for Mr. Multi or Jamel Zanishev. It's going to be four ninety nine, uh, four dollar ninety nine cents. So a little pricey for an I- iPhone app, but. It actually works and does does stuff that's useful. So it's much different than most iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> that's worth the extra three bucks. Are those a dollar ninety nine? The ones that are uh, that don't do the anything? worthless ones are ninety nine cents, and the ones that actually do something uh, like five bucks. Gotcha. So it does everything that the uh, the free online version is. And if you think five bucks is too much, then just continue using the free online <laughs> version. Getting so, a good response on that. Just yeah. can't do oh, it yeah, at the, yeah. at the cool. beer yeah. store. The people right. are snapping up. So it's sales every day. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, uh, go for it. Uh, you know, the, it's it's nice to to be able to earn a couple of bucks off of something I worked so hard on. So uh, if people are interested, do it. If not, that's fine too. Uh, but what you should do is make sure to uh, uh, say uh, cheers to our our fine sponsor, Northern Brewer. You've been sponsoring the show for over five years. That Five freaking time. years continuously. Yeah, that's a lot of money pissed down the drain. I mean, that's a lot of support that they've given us. They certainly have. They're big fans of the show. Yeah, good guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you uh, become a customer of theirs, uh, they'll treat you right, too. They they treat every customer right. They're, they're good people. And, uh, you know, they really care about their customers and uh, making sure you guys are successful at brewing just as much as, as we do here. So, uh you know, go to the Northern Brewer site, northernbrewer.com. Check out the stuff they have there. Um, I'm sure you can find something to buy. If not, uh, you know, at least send them an email saying, hey, thanks for supporting the show. makes a big difference. And when you do order something, make sure you, you put in the, the notes that uh, uh, you appreciate them supporting uh, the Brewing Network because uh, it, it makes a big difference to the sponsors to, to hear that. All right. So uh, one, more, one more piece of business. Uh, sign these books. They are in the store. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, and in the book section, there is the new yeast book by White and Zanishev. I've heard it's pretty good, and uh, you get signed copies, signed by both of us, and uh, until we run out, which is you know going to be pretty fast, so, so jump on it and uh, get your copies. White and Zanishev sounds very textbooky. That's right. Very scientific, doesn't it? It really does. It, you know, you have those you have those <laughs> fictional books with those crazy Hollywood right. names, and then you have your textbook authors. That's right. And White and Zanishev sounds like a textbook. So we should call it more like Homeboy and Dog Meat. <laughs> yes, it's really yeah. textbooky. You're not going to like it, Justin. Yeah, I, I, could, won't like I it. could barely read it. You're going to hate it. I read the acknowledgments and I like those. You'll love it. It's uh, Homeboy and Dog Meat. <laughs> wrote <laughs> this your, book. That's your. Those you'll, are your you, pen names. You'll you'll love it, Justin. Yeah, <laughs> Homeboy and Dog Meat. Good. I'll read it. I guess that makes me dog meat. Oh, well. <laughs> well, and here in the studio, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Natalicious uh, Smith here. Natalicious. Nice. Natalicious. I like that one. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Nat- Jay-Z. Natalicious <laughs> Smith. Yes. I even wrote it down. Natalicious. That's because everything you make is uh, delicious. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're going to check out this. Uh, which one are we doing today? Justin. What's our challenge? 
Challenge today is another one of these wonderful English ales from Fuller's. It'll be the third in our Fuller's trio, and it's Fuller's 1845. Ah, the 1845. Yeah, which out there is not only cast-conditioned, but bottle-conditioned, too. Yep. yep. So, uh, yeah, tough stuff. challenge this week. Yes. All right. Uh, is that an old ale? Is that the style uh, for 1845? Old ale, right? Uh, no. No. You know, I looked it I, up. I was looking it up yesterday. Nate, did you do you have a better description? Well, I... If I'm not mistaken, I think it is in the BJCP style guidelines as an old ale, but it's one of those ones that is definitely straddling a couple categories right. mm-hmm. with the ABV and sort of the mm-hmm. malt complexity and mouthfeel and whatnot. Uh, right, right. Well, and, and well, I guess we hear it in the uh, in the interview. They talk about uh, kind of the theory behind the beer and all that. A historical recipe. For them, essentially, or uh, yeah, inspired I, I by, think, yeah, in, is, is inspired by historic brewing, not necessarily a historic recipe. So that counts as old ale, doesn't it? It's an old recipe. <laughs> 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 old before it was even made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thus, so, the logic of the BJCP. You have to age it 150 <laughs> <Yeah>. years <laughs> before you can drink it. They're like, wow, the recipe's from a long time ago. It must be <laughs> must an old. Be old. Ale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, this, this this challenge was was for Nate. So uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a short break? And when we come back, we'll hear from the uh, the Brewers of Fuller's. And uh, then uh, then we'll we'll get into uh, the challenge. Back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The, the Time Brewers. Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with Dr. Jean de Clerc. Greetings, listeners. 20th century Belgian super brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes do the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebox. What, what? 21st century Norwegian-American homebrewer rapper from St. Paul. Listen, listen. I bust attenuation maxims and my Yakima magnums make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power after I mash for an hour. I got naked ladies in my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five-liter dick. Get your nasty mid-drinking group on ass back to 1026, boo! And Brother Abelard. Up there with witch. Be gone! 12th century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven. And a modicum of bog myrtle hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more Time Brewers! Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, 
and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zalashan and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own, the how-to homebrew beer magazine. I'm John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. We've been supplying home brewers with equipment, ingredients and advice for over 20 years. We carry a great range of grain, hops, wires, liquid cultures and all the gear you need to make great beer from the most basic setup to a fully automated home system. We're all keen brewers, so drop in on one of our twice-monthly all-grain brewing demos and have a chat with Chris, Dan, Paul, Nick or Sam. We'll talk about brewing and recipes and systems and techniques all day. If you're squeezed for time or just dabbling in all-grain, try our range of artisanal fresh work kits brewed at Melbourne's very own Mountain Goat Brewery. We're very proud to be a major sponsor of the Australian National Home Brewing Conference. This year we've got Randy Mosher and Gordon Strong heading here for three big days in October. Mention the Brewing Network when you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order under 15 kilos. Check out our website grainandgrape.com.au for conditions and we'll see you at the conference. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Again, this is Neil Spake for the Brewing Network, and I'm here live at the Fuller's Brewery in London, and with me again is John Keeling, and today's topic is to talk about the bottle-conditioned 1845. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about this beer it uh, originally was brewed as a celebratory beer yep we brewed it to celebrate our 150th anniversary in 1995 and it was intended to be a one-off beer we was not going to make any more of this beer we're just going to brew one batch and use it to celebrate our 150th however people liked it so much we kept bringing it back and it's been in continuous production since that very first batch so um, we're very pleased, of course, about that. And when when we came to look at this beer and decide what we wanted to do, and we thought that this beer should somehow represent the tradition and past of Fuller's. So we looked back through uh, the recipes that were in use throughout our history. And this is not a copy of any Fuller's recipe at all, but it's more like it was inspired by the past Fuller's recipes. Okay. 
And the starting gravity of this beer? The starting gravity is 63.8. Okay. And it finishes out at? Finishes about 13. 13 to 14. Okay. So that gives us an ABV of? We aim for about 6.3. All right. And the color? The color is 40. 40. Okay. Yeah. And the bitterness? It's 50. 50. That's good. And typically, the batch size of this, this is one that doesn't follow a party guile no, process. Correct? This is a single batch process, and we produce 160 barrels of this. Okay. 160 barrels is our standard brew length. All right. And the grist of this particular beer? The grist is um, 10% amber malt, and we buy all our amber malt from Simpsons Malting. And it's very important that I think because amber malt can taste differently from other maltings, so it's very important to use Simpsons if you want to get the most accurate 1845 flavour. The other part of the uh, crisp recipe is we use 10% crystal, and that is again a uh, 150, 150 standard degree color. crystal. Okay, yeah. and then the rest is pale ale malt. Okay. And the typical uh, water treatment? Just it's our standard burtonization. Okay. Uh, addition of gypsum, really. Okay. And uh, the mash temp you shoot for on this one? It is exactly the same as our standard mash, so we're, we're aiming for about 64, 65. Okay. And that goes through about uh, an hour mash? An hour, an hour stand. Okay. Uh, no mash out? No mash out temperature, right. one single temperature. And then the sparge temperature? Is 76. 76. Okay. And then it's run off, and the boil time is? One hour. One hour. And we're looking for 7 to 8% boil off. Okay. Uh, then the hops used in this beer? We use 100% Goldings in, in 1845. And so we have a copper up hop, uh, which is Goldings, and then we lay copper hop with Goldings as well. We roughly get the bitterness uh, 80% from copper hop, 20% from late copper hop. And all goldings? All goldings. Okay. Then uh, the fermentation, It started, you shoot for a fermentation temperature of? Yeah, we're, uh, with uh, 1845, we pitch in at 17. We allow it to free rise to 20. Take 8 to 12 hours to get to 20. We hold it 20 till it hits half gravity and then we reduce to 18 degrees. Okay. And then we allow it to ferment out till it's roughly between a quarter and a fifth. And then we chill back to six. Um, where we put the chilling on, I think, is very dependent on how fast you can chill. Okay. okay. So the faster you chill, the closer you want to be to your PG. Right. Okay, in your finishing gravity. The, the longer it takes to chill, you want to set it a little bit early because it will continue fermenting all the way down through chilling. So that's the trick. To catch that PG, you set it according to how you chill. We chill at a degree an hour. Okay. And then to, to package this It's pretty beer, fast. That is it's very yeah. fast. For that batch size, yep. certainly. Uh, then when the beer is packaged... Uh, since it's bottle conditioned. Yeah. Uh, the beer is um, matured 
Uh, firstly, um, he spends a week in Fermento. He has a total of one week. Pull the yeast off, transfer it into maturation vessel, where it stays uh, for two weeks, warm conditioning at between eight and ten degrees. We would then chill proof it by uh, chilling to minus one through a couple of stages. It goes firstly to four, then it takes, then we t- then we hold at four for a small period of time and then we chill to minus one and then we would give that beer a rough filter and that is to remove the old yeast cells that have been used in the maturation it's matured at a yeast count of about um, a million cells okay per mil and then uh, in maturation um, after we've finished that uh, we would then transfer it for a rough filtering to take that yeast out because that yeast has become tired and damaged we would then add fresh yeast to 0.5 million cells per mil and then we would sterile bottle it no pasteurisation no more filtration straightforward into the bottle so then they added yeast uh Activates then we have natural a, conditioning yeah, in the we bottle. Have a natural conditioning in the bottle, and we always hold it for two weeks on site before releasing it, because we find it's the first two weeks where you get the increase in CO two, and you get that a really good burst of the next conditioning period. And if it's not made CO two in the first two weeks, it usually doesn't. It's usually something's gone wrong in the process, but uh, it's usually a little bit too flat. Uh, straight after bottling and then it'll pick up from say 2.1 to 2.3 volumes 2.4 volumes as it conditions off and the other thing we we find because it's yeast in there because it's a strong beer it changes in flavour as it matures in bottle and that maturation occurs right up to the day you drink it so if you drink an 1845 at 2 years old it does taste differently from an 1845 that's two months old. And, you, you know, if you can't make your mind up where it's best for you, I suggest you just buy 48 bottles and try one every month and work out for yourself. That's a good best. suggestion. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks again for your time today, John. I really appreciate it. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain for a bit of keg tubing. No, you moronic waste to liver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a war winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand. 
the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. My name is Owen Schultz, and I'm president of More Beer. This month, More Beer wants you to meet the man behind the brand. I founded More Beer 15 years ago. Olin started brewing before the release of both Windows 3.1 and Bill Clinton. I've been homebrewing for 18 years. What makes starting the biggest brand in homebrewing great? My favorite thing about working at More Beer is the great energy of the staff. Everyone loves to talk about beer. Olin has put some of his favorite items on sale this month just for you. My favorite things to brew with right now at More Beer are the new breathable silicone carboy hood. An easy way to seal your carboy without a lot of head pressure on your yeast. My multi-brown ale kit. Our stainless steel quick disconnects, our line of heavy-duty kettles, and of course the B3500 brew sculpture. The best gravity-fed brew sculpture with a footprint of just 2 by 3 feet. It can fit almost anywhere. Don't miss Olin's favorites. This month only, and only at More Beer. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. 
The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Dude. Put some yeah, sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're here with uh, Natalicious. And Natalicious is, is here as well. She's, <laughs> she's licious for a different reason than, than Nate. Oh, yeah. It's not exactly the same. Uh, but, you know, both very, very pleasurable in different ways. Um, <laughs> I would say that, too. Like beer. But both personality-wise. I'm not saying, you know. Of course. Yeah. Face for radio over here. Not talking about that sweet ass on Nate. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, all right, so uh, another great interview, uh, you know, a short one, but uh, Neil uh, Spake, he, he's our, uh, he's our uh, British correspondent. And, uh, from Texas. From Texas. <laughs> but he does an awesome job. He's, he's traveling over all the yeah. time. He was there in person and did that interview. And uh, I thought he, he got some great information as well. And... Um, uh, so Nate, this was your uh, Nate Delicious. This was your uh, this was my challenge. challenge. Yeah. So the brewer was pretty specific about the ingredients used for the recipe. So mm-hmm. one of my f- first challenges in doing this beer was finding the amber malt uh, right, necessary right. to do this. Um, well, maybe I should go through the recipe real quick, and then um, and you can comment along the way. So let's see. Um, for six gallon uh, batch size at the end of boil, you're you're looking at uh, ten sixty three starting gravity. Is that correct? Uh, fifteen point fifty four play doh, uh, seventeen SRM. Anticipated IBU is fifty. All right. Um, so pale malt, eighty percent, five point five three three kilograms, uh, and ten percent of uh, point or 670 grams of amber malt and 10% 670 grams of crystal uh, uh, 75 or 80, around that range. And then uh, 60 grams of Kent Goldings, 5% alpha acid uh, at 60 minutes, and 50 grams of Goldings, uh, uh, 5% alpha acid at 15 minutes. And then uh, we used, did you use the White Labs WLP-02? That's correct. I used the White Labs WLP-02 from our buddies at More Beer. Yes, um, and you can also pick it up at our from our buddies at Northern, at Northern Brewer. Brewer. Well, that's sponsors. where the that's where the amber malt in this recipe came uh, from. There you go. They're so the you, only guys who had it actually in the U.S. that I could find. They I mean, that have were, all the ingredients for all these uh, candy brew shows. They have there. so many malts; it's awesome. Yeah. Yep. When I'm looking for naked oats, I go to Northern Brewer. I think the I think like Jake actually strips the oats himself. Does it himself. <laughs> he gets some sort of wild weird, naked pervert, perverted pleasure from that. Uh, 148 degrees Fahrenheit for the uh, mash, and then um, you know Burtonized with uh, gypsum. Uh, oh, that 15 minute edition is actually really a zero minute edition, but they whirlpool. So I made it a 15, and that's what I did when I when I produced this homebrew version of the beer too. You 15, I didn't whirlpool. Oh, okay. I did the 15 okay. minute edition instead. Yeah, I think that worked out just fine. Uh, ferment at 17C, raised to 20C, raised to 12 hours. 
they have a whole lineup of stuff. Uh, and the amber malt was from Simpsons. All right, so that's the basic recipe. Uh, go through the uh, uh, your story on the amber malt and everything again. So the only supplier I could find in the U.S., at least supplying to the homebrew world, was Northern Brewer that had the the right amber malt. Our so, sponsor. Yeah, so our sponsor came through on that one, which was which was awesome. So use that ten percent, and then Crystal seventy five L, um, Simpsons Crystal and Simpsons uh, Marisotter for the base. Mm-hmm. So it was a ten percent Crystal English Crystal seventy five, ten percent English amber malt, and then eighty percent of the uh, Simpsons two row, and then of course EKG for all the hopping, and hit up about eighty percent of the IBU at sixty minutes, and then the remaining twenty percent in the last fifteen minutes in place of where Fuller's would do the Whirlpool. Now, the interesting thing about doing this beer on the homebrew level as well is that unlike uh, Chiswick Bitter and uh, uh, London Pride, I believe, they use the party gal method for those two beers, whereas this beer is a single batch beer and mm-hmm. no party gal method. So it makes it a little less confusing for the homebrewer, I think, to kind of approach this recipe is it's right. a little more standard single infusion, which most uh, U.S. homebrewers at least are pretty used to that process for most of their mm-hmm. beers no yeah i think this is one the you know a decent homebrewer could could pull off um if they get the right ingredients exactly like that's 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 a major part of this beer because there is some really important malt characters from those english malts if you use uh you know if you use amber malt extract or something instead of the the actual amber malt you're not going to get what i mean amber is a term mm-hmm. that's often overused in supplies for brewing in general you got to make sure you're actually getting english amber malt mm-hmm. when you want to produce this so, beer so what right. is english amber malt english i'm not sure the entire process but i believe it's it's toasted to mm-hmm. a level that's something probably less than you would find just a, a straight you know roasted barley of course and it's not a crystal mm-hmm. type of malt but it does impart some mm-hmm. residual body and some slight roastiness that you wouldn't get from any other malt mm-hmm. a very specific process sort of older process of producing malt if i'm not mistaken which is part of this historical inspiration that fuller's right. had for making this beer and what color is that that malt that you got uh, uh forget the love of bond on i believe it's about 35 mm-hmm. srm or so mm-hmm. um it's you know would equate to that i guess that level srm of a crystal malt but you're going to get an entirely different flavor characteristic from mm-hmm. from that malt than you would expect from a crystal malt i wasn't just in chewing and tasting the malt because i'd actually never brewed with it with amber malt before it had a to me just toasty slightly roasty and not really a sweet taste mm-hmm. at all you mm-hmm. sort of approach a malt like that thinking it might be a little bit like english crystal but it was something entirely different mm-hmm. altogether you know? i think it gives a real kind of nutty kind of uh slightly roasty mm-hmm. character to it you know very subtle right it locks uh, in with the, i think the idea behind it too is it locks in and accentuates the good things about uh the marisotter Mm-hmm. Right, and right. it gives you more of that when you like brew a with deeper, it. more intense exactly. Marisotter, character. With not like a fake Marisotter character, but bringing enough of those interesting, hmm. unique hmm. characteristics to the forefront. As I was getting, even from the wort pre-fermentation, I right away it kind of came out mm-hmm. as an obvious thing. And I thought also in the pre-fermented state, I had this thought that maybe overusing the malt would accentuate phenolics or, or some characteristics in in yeast perhaps but mm-hmm. balanced in a recipe about 10 percent, like it is in in this context i think it works pretty well and obviously 1845 is a commercial beer is an mm-hmm. excellent beer right you know, they they balance that quite nicely all right so you actually provided us three beers here to to 
to taste and um I did. Yeah, the um I produced 10 gallons of wort mm-hmm. on brew day for this beer mm-hmm. and split them into two carboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, same exact yeast, same exact obviously mash temperature cooling everything else. The only difference between the two uh homebrew versions is one was temperature controlled fermentation mm-hmm. at the specifications that Fuller's provided to us, mm-hmm. which was 63 degrees Fahrenheit right when the yeast was pitched. Mm-hmm. Let it raise naturally to 68, mm-hmm. hold it there, and then bring it back to 64 mm-hmm. when half the fermentation was complete. Mm-hmm. So I approximated that as best as possible for half the batch. Mm-hmm. I only had enough temp control space to do half the batch that right, way right. and let the other sit at ambient, but they mm-hmm. both started from 63. They okay. both started from the lower temp, and then one was allowed to free rise, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, I used the specifications hmm. that the brewer at Fuller's gave us to In- control the fermentation as much as Very possible. Very interesting. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of uh, you know fermentation conditions really yes. radically changing a beer. Absolutely. And I would say... Um, you know that uh, number one and number three are are your beers, and that uh, number two is the commercial. That's true. But number one and number three are totally different. Now, yes. before you tell us which is which, why don't we go around the room and see who has what as uh, as uh, cloned or not cloned, and which one of the whether it'll be a one or a three. Uh, Tasty, why don't we start with you? Which one? Uh, which one do you th- do you think cloned or not cloned? And and do you think uh, it's three or one that would be most like number two? Well, stuff as they warmed up, I think I changed my mind. Uh, one and three are uh, obviously obviously Nate's. Uh, the uh, and you know we can get back to this common thing about beer freshness. You know we can only mm-hmm. get you know this eighteen forty five just That's so fresh. Got to be shipped over from England, right? So, I mean, so I think you mentioned this to, when we were off the air that this is more of a task of, of predicting which one's going to end up tasting like the 1845. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, um, first I thought uh, I like the aroma in number three, but I really like the uh, the malt backbone in number one. And I could see as those hops dropped out, mm-hmm. I could see that lining up really well with the uh, with the commercial version. So I say cloned and I say number one. Okay. Uh, Justin, what's your your take on it? I've had the same kind of back and forth as tasty as the temperature has changed in these beers. First, I said number three mm-hmm. was the clone mm-hmm. of the commercial beer, which is number two. Mm-hmm. Then I started to go, and the reason is because there was a certain uh, bite, a certain bitterness in number three that resembles number two that was not in number one. Then I kind of went back to number one because I thought, wow, the malt profile, that, that malt underneath the bitterness, though, is closer to number one. But now that the temperature has gone e- even again, I'm, I'm definitely, and I'm firm on this now, I'm back to number three, Tasty. I cool. think um, I, should consider that. I, I, I still like the, the, that little bitterness, and it's a, it's a slight bitterness that's in number three that I think is closer to number two. And, and I think the malt is going to... I think the malt is closer also. So I also say cloned, and I say it's number three. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, starting out with aroma, I originally kind of went uh, number three and number two. But as soon as I tasted them, uh, I went number one is is really – it's got that same malt profile that number two has. And um, – you know, once it warmed up, yeah, it was kind of the same aroma as well. 
um, as number two. So for me, uh, did you say cloned or not cloned? I did say cloned. A cloned. All yeah. right. But number three was my clone. Right. And gosh, you know, it's it's tough for me. I, I would think that. I don't know. I I, I got to go number one and and cloned with number one would be my. I don't know. I. I, I in, I, I think that's that's really quite close. In true Jay Z fashion, that was in fact the uh, temp control temp version one, of the yeah. two was number one, and number three was the uh, let it free rise, which is a really interesting comparison to me. Radical mm. difference between yeah. the two. It was well, really not radical. Cool. I mean, it's pretty darn close still. But. I keep hoping that one of these times I'm going to pick up on something that Jamil doesn't. That I'm I'm going to sneak in there with a ringer. <laughs> no, but and Justin. I ought to just start cheating and listening to Jamil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but I Justin, the thing is, is when I first tasted even the gravity sample right. of the ambient, or I'd say number three versus number one. Number three being the ambient temp, and number one being the temp control. I thought right. the ambient temp. I thought, wow. This has actually got the better aromatics than right, the one right. that was temp controlled. However, right. I think aging over time, the the one that was let allowed to free rise with no it's temp suffering. control is gonna go yeah. in weird ways over time. Whereas yeah. the the one that was temp controlled is gonna age much better. And that's sort of the spirit mm. behind this beer is that you want right. to be able to age it and taste that interesting complexity that's gonna come forward over many months. Yeah, yeah. and one of the things you brought up during the during the discussion was that uh, you know even Fuller's is saying well. You know, buy yourself a case and try one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, try month. one a month or every and, month. Right? And then you're going to figure out, you know, how you like it because it's going to develop over time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it really seems to me that number one is the the better brewed beer. It's, it's you know, it's got a, a nicer, you know. Uh, more rounded, more controlled ferment flavors yeah. all around. Just less yeah. less esters and it allows the interesting malt complexity to you know, mm-hmm. sit on your palate without the esters to distract it a bit. Yeah, it's interesting because initially I liked number three better. And then, you know, once I tasted them more, you know, off the aroma, I like three. But, you know, number one was I, I thought was close. Now, how about you, Nate? Do you do you feel this is uh on, on this day today? I think three is an, or a more interesting beer. Uh-huh. It has a more interesting aroma that draws you in from the get go. The, right. the malt. Without the comparison beer, you might not know, but when you sit down and taste the malt difference, you can see how number one actually has that more interesting malt complexity. But right. as a, you know, sitting and having and enjoying a beer, I prefer three today. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to give that away and consume it much quicker than I'll, <laughs> I'll keep the other one and age it a little bit longer. I think that uh-huh. has more potential to be mm-hmm. like 1845 mm-hmm. and what the brewer intended for right. this beer. You know, interesting now, but possibly even better over time. And I think. Either you know, so I did this experiment to you know, obviously because I didn't have the ferment space to control both. But I thought it was interesting from a homebrewer perspective, because a lot of people don't have temp control, mm-hmm. and would they want to attempt this crazy uh, right, uh, yeast right. uh, ferment regimen that's recommended by Fuller's, or should I not even bother? Right. You can still get a really interesting beer, mm-hmm. but you know, know that it may have some different aging properties than the right. original Fuller's eighteen forty five, and. That actually got pretty hot too. The non-temp controlled one. It got up into the you know mid seventies, mm. which I normally would never let beer do. But I figured mm-hmm. for the sake of this experiment, right. let's see how different they really get. And they're they're pretty different beers, which is pretty cool. So my question to you now: I don't think you've ever brewed a beer that you've called cloned, right? So uh, except for the you, uh, the call- Green Flash. The Green you, Flash, I, I said unanimously cloned? was cloned. Yeah. No, no. You had like the didn't you do the Gordon as well? 
The Gordon, yeah, that was a cliffhanger. I think. Yeah, we, I think you called that clone, and I didn't. Have, yeah. I think we argued over that. We one. did. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. And I broke you from ever calling it cloned again. <laughs> At that point, now now you just I throw would, it in my face and call everything not clone. <laughs> That's true. I actually would call this clone though. Yeah. Um, and especially over time, I think that the homebrew version is going to converge with where the. Where right. the commercial beer is at. Yeah, I think you know? he, I think you nailed it on the on the number one version. Much like Tasty said, I mean, the, the taking into the the freshness and all that right. that sort right. of thing is important, and you know, I think it will re- they'll really converge over time. Well, we'll see. Bring yeah, exactly. I'll bring it back. Uh, bring it back. <laughs> now, can I ask? Because you keep talking about how number three will age differently because of how it was fermented, right? So, what are the components of number three that are going to make it uh, decline? more quickly than the number one or decline in a different way because you're, you're that's what you're talking about that it's yeah. going to decline i'll right? give my non-technical answer and i'll let jay-z tell me what's really going on here i've not, the english beers that ferment warmer to me over time the the way that the esters drop out and the way that the malts come forward when they've been fermented too hot the english esters don't age well to me maybe it's just more fusels or maybe it's just the type of esters and the flavor compounds that english ale yeast create but okay i find that it becomes less palatable I don't time. think the yeast do that well in those higher temperatures. No, they don't. I mean, some yeast can go Stills. higher temp, but English ale yeast starts spitting out weird compounds right. that just age out Stealing strangely as they start to oxidize and as all those other things start to happen. Uh, what do you think, Daisy? Well, and there's there's the conversion of you know fusel alcohols to to esters esterification of of you know the compounds and you know there's a a, a lot of other things that that go on and it also may be. Um, you know, growth rates and cell surface areas and, you know, cells that die off during the the process. The interesting thing to me is the malt character be- between one and three. Yes. One has a much more rich and developed malt character and complexity that seems to last and carry through. Mm. And three seems like it's kind of got like a malt up front and then like the, the mid portion of the malt character is missing yeah that is so apparent in number one and number two and it's missing in number three stomped on by fermentation character obviously right, in this case or, or you know the, the you know when the it's um you know how uh if you go to the white lab side or the ye side they'll list all these different yeasts they sound very similar and they'll say this one accentuates malt this one accentuates hops right this one's kind of even and you're thinking, well, you know, how is that possible? It's pretty much the same yeast doing the same thing. And how how does it really accentuate the malt? And you're thinking, oh, maybe it attenuates more or it attenuates less or whatever. But it actually changes malt flavor. And, it, you know, right. and, you know, here we're talking about the same yeast having a different impact on malt character. They can have a different impact on hop character and hop bitterness. Just the amount of cell surface area, your pitching rate, and your growth rates and things like that can affect the bittering of the final beer. Yes. If you talk to somebody like Brindleson or uh, or um, you talk to Mitch at Stone, they'll they'll give you you know their wort IBUs and they'll give you your finished right. beer IBUs because they know it's totally different. It's like, well... You know, you could use a different uh, amount of yeast, and your I- your IBUs are all of a sudden different. Hmm. So that's why you know, like measuring your pitching rate is really important. Yes, I tried to keep that part as equal as possible right, right. in this uh, experiment for the sake of the experiment. And the, and the 
perceived perceived bitterness is different right. between the two. Yeah. As Justin was commenting right. earlier yeah. as well. That right. I can tell right away. And that's again, you know, a function <laughs> of you know fermentation and you know the 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 cells and the condition of the cells, you know, and gr- through growth and and surface area and you know with different temperatures. I mean, the cells may attain different sizes. They may, uh, you know, they'll you know replicate more or less. I mean, all those things are affecting the final flavor of the beer. Right. So, um, you know, it's very interesting. I didn't think it'd be quite as clear cut as this, but you know, it's, that's that's a, that's a good experiment. That's really well done. I, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's really fun to split batches like that. I love doing slight mm-hmm. variations that you may think make only slight difference right. or I mean, just to challenge your assumptions on brewing otherwise I'm, I'm just making beer which is great but i'd like to learn something every time if i can the interesting you know. thing though is if you had just done that we may say well you know we like three better right right exactly but comparing it to the commercial example we're like oh no 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 number one there's a reason for doing this and number one is actually the the one that fits yeah now that it's warmed up even now it's uh when the finish is much cleaner in one, I mean, you, and in, right. and it exposes that that uh, that Fuller's flavor, the eighteen forty five flavor, really yep. exposes it. Yep. it. The other one almost covers up some of the base. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's gone or something. Right. Or, or you're, you're, lo- at you're losing years. a little Maris Otter character, and you're getting mm-hmm. more something. amber malt and crystal malt yeah. almost only. That you that, know, you know base or mid malt character is it's gone. A malt beer, yep. yeah, it's about yeah. malt. All right, let's take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll we'll take any questions if anybody's got them, or uh, we'll just chat until the end. Back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The, the Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What, oh, friends, a male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah. No, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Aye, a package from the future from Northern Brewer. Use the Pilsner malt, my good man. And the sots hop, sucker. They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Who? And use it thou some bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty-ass bog myrtle back to the dark ages, Brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we did. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Brewers Publications is proud to announce their newest release, Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. Chris and Jamil thoroughly cover yeast selection, storage, handling yeast, and how to culture yeast. 
Learn how to set up your own yeast lab, the basics of fermentation science and how it affects your beer, plus step-by-step procedures, equipment lists, and a comprehensive troubleshooting guide. Professionals and homebrewers trust Dr. Chris White, who founded White Labs Yeast more than 15 years ago. And Jamil Zanishev is one of the most respected and most awarded homebrewers in history and co-author of Brewing Classic Styles with John Palmer. Visit Brewers Publications on Facebook for more information. Order your copy at shop.beertown.org or from the Brewing Network. Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by two of the most trusted names in commercial and home brewing. Proudly available soon from Brewers Publications. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste to deliver Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a war winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients in the best customer service in the business. 
Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Ewa, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. Woo! It's the Brewing Network. Ah, uh, tasty, delicious. Suck away. Suck right away. Suck away. <laughs> suck away. <laughs> and suck right away. That's just dirty. Yeah, that's just terrible. It is? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we went from a clean suck it to suck away. That's That crosses a line. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. a term of, it's a term of endearment. Excuse so you know, yeah. me. Yeah, yeah to, learn this. Yes. <laughs> Man, uh, all right. So we're we're <laughs> we're totally losing control. Of the there show, goes our family but, rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We put a put a PG seven on this one. I don't, I don't think I'd let anybody <laughs> under the age of seven. Listen Good point. I'll do that. All right. So we're we're enjoying Natalicious's uh, versions of uh, the eighteen forty five. I think you did an excellent job. And, great beer. Uh, Thanks. And, and the repour of number one. Boy, I could drink a lot of that. Yeah, it's a great beer. I just yeah, sit around really at good. home. It's, I have to cut myself off after a couple glasses of that. It's just a great beer. It would take to oak really nicely, too. Thinking yeah. if a home brewer made this recipe, put it on a little oh, yeah. French oak, yeah. a little delicate balance of that uh, might be quite nice, too. Mm. Something to think about for people that are into this style. It's pretty good. So slip some wood in there and... Uh, yep, splinters maybe, and all. Maybe you get some nice, uh, some nice wood character. All right. So, Justin, do we have any... Uh, Questions from the chat? My first question is... Uh, <laughs> yes. How, since me. we're talking about how nice this beer is, how well does it go with the Vicodin they gave you for that uh, broken leg of yours? That's a great question, Justin. <laughs> yeah. uh, in, well, I should and explain the, to the audience the, first that... They do want to know what happened to your leg. That's yeah, why I, bring I, I, I broke my leg, and in the spirit of sitting in the studio a little bit more often, oftentimes in the uh, dock chair, I yeah. thought I would emulate dock. And yes. the only really way to understand what Doc's life is like is to at least have a broken leg once, <laughs> right? Like he did, and to play and with a, goats. A stripper, a stripper pole was not involved Boo. in the broken leg. I okay. just want to say what was um, involved. <laughs> um, I'll stick with the story I said the other day. I saw a, a owner of a local brewery in a in a cafe, and he saw my broken leg and said, "How did that happen?" And it was a place. I, uh, the brewery that he owns is a place I'd done some work recently for fun. I said, "Well." Uh, your head brewer dropped a uh, half barrel on my foot nice. while I was there, and it was funny watching his eyes get really wide for oh, a second before yeah. he <laughs> realized I was just giving him a hard time. No, actually, it's a really boring story, and I just stumbled down the stairs at the BART station. <laughs> but it was I had a good reason to go out that night. Uh, Cantillon Iris was pouring at the Trappist, oh. so I had to go and get some of that. But it was it was worth the broken leg, I think. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a couple of questions from the chat room about the beer. Um R. Hastings in the chat room uh, has two questions. Um, clarification about what was the amount of the second hop edition. Ah, okay. If you have that in front of you. 
All right, so the second hop edition was 50 grams East Kent Golding pellets, uh, 5% alpha acid at 15 minutes. Now, in the interview, this is their Whirlpool edition or their zero-minute, uh, their knockout edition, right? The thing is, if if the, the commercial brewer is going to Whirlpool hot for 15 minutes or whatever, they're developing IBUs, they're blowing off the aromatics, things like that. So what we do is, unless you're going to Whirlpool hot for the same amount of time that the pro brewer does, and, and Tasty, you've been doing this, and you're concerned about oxidation, right? I have been getting, getting more oxygen in my beer. I don't know if that's uh, trying some things to kind of narrow that down. Like an oxidized hop character? No, tasty, like, or something? like oxygen. Like, oh, straight oxygen. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hmm. All right. I'm thinking it might be my filtering, but uh, yeah. i got a batch I'm doing now. I'm, I'm using... Uh, uh, other clarifiers to see if it comes out the same. Okay. So uh, what we've done, um, you know, or one of the options is to, instead of doing a zero-minute edition, just move it back to 15 minutes or whatever the length of, slightly less than the length of whatever their hot whirlpool is. And drop it in there and it seems to turn out just about the same. <laughs> I got about a 20-minute tw- question on that. Um, is there a, is that a, a hard calculation? Say I do a 20-minute uh Whirlpool, uh-huh. uh, whirlpool rest combination. Is that addition the same as a twenty minute hop edition? You know, I would probably back it off a few minutes. You know, go shorter a few minutes in the boil. You know, okay. so twenty might become fifteen, just because in the whirlpool, you know, you're not boiling. It's, it's cooling down. You're not, yeah, you're, you're not, not at boiling you're temperature. You're not boiling, but you are exchanging surface area liquid, and that's where the, as long as it's hot enough, Just that's above. where you're you're volatilizing your yeah. aromatics. So it essentially acts like the boil. It's gotcha. not exactly the same, but I might you know trim it a, a, a few minutes. Why don't the uh, software programs allow for that? Because it's it's like two equations. One equation applies before you know to before the uh, flame mm-hmm. out. The other applies to after. Is that why? Because I didn't do the software. Well, okay, I'm just saying. I get a lot of questions about this. A lot of people, you know, I've been listening to the, uh, especially the Firestone show. Is there an equation for both? I think that's a great question, Tasty. I think think you could come up with it. I think, uh, you know, I think the the problem is that people, you know, doing the software a lot of times, um, to their credit, they're following all the accepted rules and measurements and, you know, equations, and they're not just going off on, well, you know, Jamel was saying, uh, yeah, you know, right. and doing some stupid thing like that. You know, they're, they're doing what they should be doing. But I think there's, you know, some experimentation or at least, you know, I, th- I think, you know, just practical application. We all know that this happens. You know, anytime your wort's over, you know, uh, I don't know, it's in the 170s Fahrenheit, you're isomerizing those alpha acids. So you are developing bittering. And if you, you know, at the end of the boil, you whirlpool and you throw a bunch of hops in, you're adding bittering. So, you know, but the software that, you know, it says zero and all of a sudden you got no bittering. Uh, you know, the equations aren't exactly... You know, you, you've got to have temperature, you've got to have, you know, the hop concentration, you've got to have um, 
you know, time. You've got to have, you know, vigor of the boil probably applies. Atmospheric pressure applies. Um, well, you have other, I, yeah. you know, the, 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 the gravity of the, the word applies. Uh, your your pitching rate applies, you know all that stuff when you're calculating out out bitterness, and then you know hop characters, the ozone, thing. everything, <laughs> <laughs> the turgidity of the the yeah. brewer, <laughs> everything, absolutely. And those equations know. all assume, well, many of them in uh, talking about isomerization of isomerization of hops, assume mm-hmm. that it's probably a boiling liquid. If right. you're whirlpooling, it might be 195 or exactly. 200 right. or something and like it's that. Gotta, it's got to be slower, right? You know, even so, even though you're summarizing at you know, let's say 180, it's much slower. These are all Fahrenheit temperature, right? 180. Fahrenheit. By the way, for our uh, you know it, listeners, across I imagine the pond. it's not happening as rapidly as at 212 Fahrenheit. Yeah, so I could see a hop utilization I number. See. Oh, I made that conversion on the fly. Check that out. <laughs> well done. So I could see one hop utilization number for post boil. And a separate one, for, you know, uh-huh, for, for uh-huh. on the hot side. Yeah. Um, then I could see that, you know, something being like time dependent. That is, you know, that over time your temperature is dropping. Right. Uh, how long was the whirlpool? How long was the rest? If you're not agitating the hops, that's going to make a difference. You know, I imagine that, um, you know, talking about wort IBUs, you could exactly model uh, wort IBU development, and you you could you know factor in all the conditions, and you should be able to come up with you know software that can give you exactly how many IBUs <laughs> you have, and you'd be within right. you know a half an IBU yeah. at the end of the boil. Right. Uh, that that is scientifically possible. It's got to be. You know, it, it seems it's, like it's you know, just given, not that if random. you have enough parameters in there for process, right, right, like for you know, like I'm like you know. Like I can mash hop a beer and and uh, flame out hop a beer, and some most of the software is going to say I have zero IBUs. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, right. you know it's, it's much harder for fermentation, um, but even then, you know, if you could measure, you know, the the strain, the size of the yeast, the yeast vitality, you know, other conditions, you know, the uh, cell wall composition, you know, the cell membrane, things like that. Uh, you know, and all those other factors, then maybe you could get close. That's the harder one to really figure well, you could out. Just, you could input something called yeast viability factor, and you could learn your own, right, by how things, right, re- how right. they act and so forth. Right. And well, probably, we- just by doing, you know, repetitive, uh, you know, commercial brewers, they will, uh, you know, pitch the same yeast off of the same batch. The schedule is like that came off of that batch. It goes into this, this batch. This quantity, this we use this amount. Right. Yeah, and they end up with exactly the same thing time after time, so right. they don't really worry about it. Right. But, you know, for the home brewer, it makes, makes a big difference because you're always brewing all these different beers, and you, you really want to calculate out these factors. But um, I, I, you really should be able to calculate an exact uh, word I've used. It, you know, it just takes some some science and some some effort, but it's really, just, I guess, just not that important. People just keep commercial brewers just keep repeating their process, and so it's yeah, the, the, one, same the, the thing. ones I talk to say, don't, really don't pay any attention to what you calculate because, right. of course, they oh, measure. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's all about knowing your process. And one right. of the reasons why I did do the fifteen minute to mm-hmm. the end of the boil edition instead of a whirlpool, in this case of eighteen forty five. Is that I know when I've done English type ales in the past, and I do a zero minute Golding's Hop edition, it doesn't come out quite how I want it to. Mm-hmm. You, I need some of that kettle activity to right. push out some of the the volatile uh, oils and whatnot from the hops to give mm-hmm. it the right character to mesh with the malt and the 
Yeah, yeah answers, and if, you, know? if you just toss it in and, and chill it down, then you're going to get way too much hop character. <laughs> like a veg- slight vegetative character. Yeah. Almost. It's yeah. not, uh, huh. not something I always want, especially for this recipe where the you know good complexity of the malt was an important side of it, too. Right. So. All right, second part of his question was... Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, we're going to be... I had midnight. a question in there, oh, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jamil had mentioned in previous Fuller's episodes that you could start the fermentation at 17C and then let it go to 20 mm-hmm. and leave it there. Uh, would that make a difference here? I don't know. I think that's the critical part of it, personally. Um, but, uh, you know, it might might make a difference. You mean the critical part is following exactly what he said to do? Well, yeah. seven, 17 to 20, I think that's more important than at half gravity chilling it back down. Okay. That's just my guess. Yeah, I did that maybe actually slightly slower than, than Fuller's might. Mm-hmm. I did about a degree a day. Mm-hmm. Until I got it down, I mean it was only three degrees, so I brought it about a degree right. a day as I didn't want to shock the yeast too much. But um, it was kind of unclear to me whether or not they did that as a, you know, a straight drop in three degrees in a mm-hmm. short period of time or not. But that's something people are going to have to experiment with. They want right. to, I mean, Fuller's knows this yeast extremely well. You got to give them that right. kind of credit. Right. And there's something interesting happening there that we may or may not be able to reproduce with a. Five gallon fermenter, you know these are mm-hmm. doing. They're doing 160 barrel batches. You know right. we're doing something very different. So. Right. Okay. And next question was, uh, you know, Nate, you had mentioned on beer number three, the one that we didn't call the clone. Yes. That you let it go up into the 70s. That's correct. So the question a listener had was how far into the 70s, and my question was how long did it take to get there? Because yeah, I've heard points. Jamil and Chad talk a, a lot around here about after that first couple of days, it's okay to let it rise. So yeah. I want to know about that. That's a great question. As I started at the same starting point, 63 degrees or about 17C okay. on both. And then obviously temp controlled the one. Yep. And then number three, let it free rise. I'm not sure actually how quick it got up into the 70s, but I remember checking it probably about 72 hours in and it, it was about 71 or 72 degrees. Okay, And it got pretty warm the week after that and it was sitting out at ambient temp in my garage and i can only assume it probably increased into the 74 or 75 range at that point maybe okay but you're right though for the that critical first 24 to 48 hour yeast growth section it was probably only in the high 60s so it's a a blend of the two Hmm. very different beers nonetheless it still developed some fermentation character that uh well i have uh, a question interesting I have a question, uh, actually, for Justin. When did you start paying attention to what we're saying (laughs) (laughs) and learn uh, about uh, fermentation profiles? What happens is actually that I hear it all, but it takes like use of drugs or something for it to to leak out. A couple of of days on the beach. Yeah, and then I realized, ah, yes. Shit, I did hear that, didn't I? Actually, I gave you the one, the (laughs) bottle that I dry hopped with Vicodin. Yeah. Being my um, broken foot. I think that actually helped you kick in with this special answer. The info leaked out. Yes. Very nice, Justin. Very nice. Uh, Here's where I didn't listen because another question. question, actually. Oh, good. that That was very perceptive and. All right. I wish I had asked that question. Oh, <laughs> I knew I'd sneak in there one of these you days. You snuck tasting. one in there. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a question that came through from the chat that I, I'm not, I didn't listen, so I'm not sure if you covered. Uh, but, Nate, did you Burtonize the water? Uh, very good point, and we okay. did mention this earlier, and I forgot to follow up on it. Yes, I did, but not to the level that I'm not trying to copy the exact uh, mineral content that you would find of Burtonized water. I went right. up to a level that I have found ex- acceptable for... English style beers that I've done in the past, and I have pretty soft water being in the the East Bay of uh, Northern California. I tell you, you get and that so, luscious hair. 
It's exactly <laughs> how I get that luscious hair. Yeah. <laughs> that Soft water. Eggs. <laughs> I, I used a the protein wash. Gypsum. Yes. Yes. Gypsum to push. Yes. <laughs> yes. Check her However you get it. Derailed that one right away. <laughs> Sorry, you're not going to get an answer, dude. <laughs> No, actually, I only have about 10 parts per million calcium to start with and very low mineral content, about uh, 10 to 15 parts per million at the most. And so I use a gypsum to push that up to about 50 to 75 parts per million. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't go past that because I found I get a salty right. and uh, mineral type quality that it I It becomes harsh. Like. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it becomes a nasty beer. Don't make Burton-on-Trent water. The go- brewers in Burton-on-Trent don't use Burton-on-Trent yeah. water. Go back and listen to the Brewer Strong shows all about water to get yeah. more complicated. But my approach was to use gypsum to get it far up enough above 50 <clears throat> parts per million, but not push it too far. Right. That was the idea. And... You know, the the water would not be something I would have, you know, even thought of as no. a difference between these three. It's beers. a minor player in this one. I think the fermentation character and the malt mm-hmm. profile, I mean, the, my, well, the mash I, temp I think, is something. But I think what you did dialed it in perfectly. Yeah. I don't think, you know, uh, there's not a radical difference between them because you, you know, showed restraint. I remember you, you did Burtonize it, but you know, when I first started brewing, crazy. the first few batches that I made, or at least the first half a year that I made, every single kit would come with those Burton water salts, right. and we would just like blindly throw them in, and the beers were turning out kind of weird and salty right. and not and what we wanted. And, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. we were all trying to Burtonize our water, and I think we've all found out years later that pushing it that far is not. Mm-hmm. Not going to work for most people. Mm-hmm. You know? It's about knowing your local water and dialing that up enough, but not too far. Mm-hmm. All right. Blobber Glop wrote in, uh, what was the fermentation vessel configuration for this clone? Uh, both five-gallon carboys. Okay. Upside down. Upside down. Yes. Well, he does go on to He's say He's in Canada, so we got to give him credit for being upside down. Would fermenting in a carboy or conical or clean bucket make a difference in this, or is the key just fermentation temperature and and mm, yeast yeah it would make a difference but temp is the primary difference yeah, differentiator temp, yeah pitching rate yeast health uh but and you know and, the, and the grain the, selection there's a, a book i was reading recently by homeboy and dog meat they're talking about uh <laughs> homeboy and dog meat. i think uh homeboy had mentioned <laughs> at one point that uh ferment- is still in print <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. homeboy had mentioned that fermentation temp i think was one of the the he listed a priority order of of uh what matters and uh, fermentation vessel was way down the list compared to fermentation temp. So, and did dog meat confer- concur? I think dog meat concurs. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, dog meat. Uh, ab- uh, absolutely. So we hear. We don't. Not sure who that is. Right. Okay. And then the final question that came through. I think this one might be for me and you, Tasty. Um, when adding dog hair to the mash, uh, <laughs> would you go with lab or pit bull on this one? Well, you get better. Uh Laudering, laudering with the lab, for sure. That's a Pit good bull's point. way too short. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that entirely. Mm. That's it from the chat, guys. All right. So, uh, Natalicious, uh, he knocked another one out of the That's park. That's right. That's Thank a winner. You. A lot of fun. This is a great beer. I encourage everyone who is even half interested in trying it to try it. It's a great recipe. Yeah, try the home version. Way to not have to rebrew it, Nate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'll make this again. I mean, I even, I don't even know how I would compete this beer. I just love drinking it. Easy drinker. This is awesome. an awesome beer. Yeah. According I, to the BJCP, that is old. That's true. It's old. It is. Because it's an old recipe. Yeah. That's my assessment. I'm going to call Gordon about that. I'm burying my bottles in the backyard right now. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'll tell you that 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 the Morgan's Kit beer I, I, I brewed, that's more of an old ale than... Yeah. 
this would be. I agree with you on that. Yeah. It's got that old air, uh, old ale character in the malt. Right, mm-hmm. right. A very uh, old, peculiar type type of malt character. How much of that did you make? Five gallons. Just a fiver on the stove, huh? I used my Blickman top tier to oh, you uh, did? boil my water. Oh, to boil, I was going to say, because you only had to boil water, I thought maybe <laughs> I just did it in the kitchen. No, I, d- I used my Blickman top tier. You know, I've used a, a very expensive piece of equipment to uh, yeah, it's like firing boil up, some water. It's like firing up the Ferrari to listen to the stereo or something. That's exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I do. Now, wait that's a second. Awesome. Was that your first brew on the... Yes. <laughs> Wow. I love it. Back to the roots. You didn't use all the tears. I love it. I didn't use all the tears. <laughs> I used, I used the low tier. It boiled nice, though, huh? I boiled, boiled a treat. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then uh, I chilled it down, and then uh, ran into the uh, into the bottle, into the uh, into the carboy, and then uh, I opened. I got my opener out, cracked open the can, poured it in, shook the bejesus out of it. Uh, I added some DME, added my yeast. Fermented that bad boy, kegged it up, and and drank it. Forty-five minute brew day, two week fermentation. Forty-five minutes included two batches of beer. Wow! Because I just I'm boiling. I might as well boil ten gallons instead of five gallons. Right. <laughs> so and and the opening part that's only takes a few seconds. I realize <laughs> <laughs> the pouring yeah. part a few more seconds. Yeah. The shaking was probably a, a good minute or two. Yeah, and uh, I grew up the yeast of uh, using the uh, Y yeast uh, uh, West Yorkshire, the oh. one we use for uh, the Rigwelter show. So setup was similar. Setup was the same. Yeah, I mean that that takes like ten minutes. Yeah. So I did that part, and then the kegging, and uh, <laughs> the washing of all the gear after I was done and putting everything away. I'm under an hour for two for ten gallons of beer, two different batches of beer. I was going to say you should call it. 60-minute old ale or something. <laughs> 55-minute old ale. I'm telling you, I'm, I was just blown away at the quality of the beer. Yeah. It really did. Uh, and and one, of the, one of the tricks, actually, uh, uh, Homeboy had told me that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that you have to uh, you know, uh, pasteurize your DME. Don't use DME without uh, heating it up, oh, pasteurizing yeah. it, because huh. they they spray it, and there's a lot of air that goes through mm-hmm. into that All process. Kinds of dust and everything else in there, probably. Yeah, yeah, you know, unless the air is really perfectly sterile, uh, which is very hard to do in volumes of air, I would think um, could be could be some issues. So, not saying that all of them have that, but just to be on the safe side, when you boil your water, you boil it for five ten minutes, just to make sure it's uh, clean, and then. Um, you can go ahead and pour your DME in there, mix it up, and that will kill it, is what he said. That pretty much takes care of everything. And then run that into your, your vessel and then pour your can of extract in there. Why, why are we talking about this? <laughs> I brought it up. Well, <laughs> but, and for no, folks um, at home, this the beer we're talking amazing. about will come up. Uh, it's an upcoming Brew Strong episode yes. on Kit Beer Brewing. I think it's right. the next Brew Strong, so fear not. You're not but, lost. But but all, all you all-grain brewers out there who really know your stuff and know fermentation really well just do me a favor go and get yourself a fresh can of one of these kid extracts pre-hopped and you know one of your favorite yeasts that kind of matches what the general style is and the most important thing make it non-boil fermentation fermentation fermentation. and and make it yes and see what turns out if you are 
not impressed. <laughs> You're scaring uh, me here. You know, I'm it, spending it, all this time making this word, and I should just get some extracts and. Uh, no, you shouldn't. I mean, you know, use my proper. Well, don't permit. give up. The all, the all uh, grain know. beer offers you much more flexibility, and I think in the in the end, the overall well, picture, better better quality. But if I needed beer and but lots that, of it, that difference. Yeah is not nearly as large uh, as people claim it would be. you got to bring Tasty some of this beer. I want him to try yeah, it, too. Yeah, yeah, i got to become amazing? a believer. Yeah, I want well, him to try it, too. Well, it I think I'm going to get myself some Mr. Beer IPA. Do it. Extract. <laughs> and try that. Try that. <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah. There because, is a Mr. Beer IPA extract, really? Yeah. With well, pre, and pre-hopped have, and all? Yeah. and they, Wow. The, the I think we should have a Mr. Multi now. extract brand is what I'm thinking. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Then they got a, a whole range of all these, these styles now. So, uh, and they, they have a lot of extra hops, things like that. I don't know. I think you know if somebody's coming into the into the hobby, it you know instead of trashing them for doing kit beer, yes, yeah, we should support them and explain how to make that kit beer really well with yeah. good fermentation. And then they're going to make a beer. They go, "Wow, I love this hobby." You know, look how easy this was. I made you know a great beer. And then, you know, then you can go ahead and get them into all grain. That's fine. But, you know, if they make a, a crappy beer because they can't ferment right or sanitize right, yeah, then you're hurting the hobby. So, Well, I'm always the guy who says, I don't care how you get there. Right. If, it's, if the product if is good at the end, exactly. perfect. Fine. That's really? the way everybody should be. Yeah. Who right. cares how you make I it? I really don't. I'm not, I'm not about being cool, obviously, right. or having the, you know, you don't have to be all grain or anything else. If the beer's great at the end, perfect. Even if Gordon's cheating by blending... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it's okay. Yes. If the beer's great, yeah, that's was, a winner. Yeah, I'm, right. I was thinking about blending. I was thinking I could uh, do an all grain batch that's really, you know, dextrinous, really gnarly right. Uh, right. Uh, liquid. Instead of making make this one big, beer just right, make yeah. two beers that are great and then blend them to, yeah, make, to make a it, great beer. Right. A big malt backbone and an extra. It's much beer. easier than just, no. you know, brewing a beer. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that. That was his intent. That was a good public service announcement at the end, Jay-Z. Nice work. There you go. Hey, you know, I'm all, I'm all about public service. Right. As long as it doesn't require any work from me. All right. Or shaving your public. <laughs> so, another fine uh, fine beer from Natalicious. Another great... Uh, it was fun. you brewed with uh, Thank you guys. my, Nate, my Nate buddy, the, uh, Tasty McDowell. He brings the fun with him, then, Nate. Justin... And Natalicious, uh, quietly in the background, uh, helping us out as well. Uh, you know, make sure you check out our fine uh, sponsor, Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. They're great guys, and they really uh, deserve your support. Don't forget to uh, check out Neil Spake's website, uh, scottishbrewing.com. And uh, check out the, the uh, Brewing Network store, uh, Network slash store. we got yeast books in there from uh, Homeboy and Dogmeat. And they'll be signed. All right. So uh, until later, be strong. And all the effing time. <laughs>